It's lovely to see you all, and uh, it's a real privilege to be speaking this morning on such a momentous day in our sort of annual calendar as a church, as we remember the Holy Spirit. And uh, the only slightly upsetting thing is that Chris and Rob have taken pretty much my sermon <laughs> and given it already. So uh, we'll just have to see what the Holy Spirit uh, wants to do. So uh, that's quite interesting. But at least it means I was sort of thinking along the same lines. Maybe the Holy Spirit was working through us at the same time in our preparation. So, yeah, very excited. Um, and I think we can, uh, we can sense that God is here through his Spirit this morning. And uh, really, the one thing I'm going to ask of you guys is that you raise your expectation of what God might want to do in you and through you by the power of his Holy Spirit. So this is actually going to be one of the most simple uh, sermons that I've, I've done, I think. Um, and my most complicated is really pretty simple. So uh, um, we're just going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to give him a chance to do some stuff. So... Uh, I'm just hopefully not going to get in the way of what he's already started this morning, but let him start to work. So let's just be quiet for a second and just say, Lord, do whatever you want to do in my life through the power of your Holy Spirit. If I had a a title um, for this talk, it would be the impossible made possible. And, you know, that's, I've got to, as we go through, I think you'll see how what is impossible for man, what is impossible for you, what is impossible for me, is made possible by the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. So let's have a look at uh, what we're talking about. Let's get the scripture up uh, from Acts chapter 2. Now, most of you will have read this, I'm sure, many times. But uh, it's the word of God. It's a living word, and the Holy Spirit can bring it to life to us. And it says that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these, all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. And I do wonder, sometimes, when we have a fairly rowdy meeting on a, on a Sunday here, you know, where people are bouncing and waving and cheering and shouting. You know, if you're a newcomer to this, you'd be thinking, and you weren't used to church, or you had a picture of church being very traditional, you might be thinking... What are they on? <laughs> you know, what are, what are they doing? 
And uh, if you can imagine what we've experienced, 10 times, people just couldn't understand what they were experiencing. The impossible, these fairly uneducated Galileans, suddenly were speaking in, in other languages and everybody could understand them. It was the impossible made possible. Now, I'm really pleased, actually, that my talk is simple because, as Paul said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. Now, it doesn't matter what words I use. It doesn't matter what Chris says. It doesn't matter what anyone says. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that matters. That's really the thing that changes. Nobody can get saved by the power of eloquent words. Nobody can get saved by willpower from somebody. It is only the Holy Spirit that can take someone from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It's the Holy Spirit that matters. So I'm going to do the very simple thing, which is tell you a small example from my own life of the impossible for me that was made possible. When I was a teenager, when I was 14, my parents uh, were born again, and uh, I hated it. Um, well, I mean, uh, you don't want your parents to change, do you? you know? They were really nice people anyway. My life was perfect. Why did I want this Jesus coming in and messing everything up? And the music that they listened to was atrocious for a 14-year-old. They were listening to a, a group at the time called the Fisher Folk. Hands up, anyone who can remember the Fisher Folk. There we go. I'm afraid it's all the silver surfers who can remember it, but... Um, I mean, seriously, even now, I'd be cringe looking at some of those songs. There was one which was just people laughing. That was it. I don't know, anyone remember that one? The joy of the Lord is my strength was the only words in it, and the rest of it was just people laughing. Bizarre. So, so when you're 14, that's not cool. It was very upsetting. But after a while, I saw that God was changing them, and I started to become really interested because it was really positive what was happening in their lives. They were even better than they were before, and they had something real that they never had before. And I became attracted to it and wanted to know more about it. And then after a while, I would have probably, because I started to go into church and a few meetings, um, and I would have probably said I was a Christian at that point. So I was uh, going along to the meetings and feeling that this was all good stuff, starting to get more and more interested. But then, without knowing what was happening, the Holy Spirit was starting to convict me of sin. And when I was, as a teenager, when I was with my mates, my language was foul, basically. I was effing and jeffing all over the place. And I started to realize that this wasn't right. The Holy Spirit was convicting me about this. And so I made the decision. I wanted to live a more Christian life, and therefore I would stop swearing. And, you know, I couldn't. No matter how hard I tried. It's all right in front of mum and dad, funnily enough. That was okay. But when I was with my mates, I just joined in. Whenever they started swearing, I wanted that peer pressure. I wanted to be accepted, and I would be swearing like a trooper. And I started to hate myself for this. And, uh, and I was also, at uh, that sort of age, I was rather fascinated with members of the opposite sex. But, um, but not in any kind way, not looking for a loving, friendly relationship. I was just thinking, what can I get from this? And I started to feel a conviction of sin about that, without really knowing what was going on. But I started to dislike myself, even at the age of, say, 15, 16. And then I, the day I became a Christian, I was in a big tent mission. Um, 
And uh, I won't go into the details of it, but I was, uh, gave my life to Jesus. I realized I wasn't a Christian, but I needed to make that commitment. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at that point and started singing in tongues and speaking in tongues. And do you know, the thing that amazed me, when I was having ups and downs afterwards, as you often do when you're first a Christian, is it real? Am I going mad? What's going on? You know, and I'd be high as a kite one minute and low afterwards. And the one thing that held me sure was that my need to swear disappeared immediately. And for me, it might be a very small thing, but that need to swear was impossible. I could not do anything about it, and I really did try. Put every effort I had into not swearing with my mates. Suddenly that need gone. Now, I'm not saying I've never sworn since, but there is no need, there is no pressure. I'm not held by it, I'm not bound by it. And that, was, for me, was a real testimony that God was real, something I could cling on to, that I was different. I'd been born again, as Chris was saying. Something was new, was changing inside me. So that was, uh, that's my little story, which, is, uh, which I hope is an example uh, of the impossible becoming possible purely by the power of God. So who is the Holy Spirit? We need to just do a quick background on the Holy Spirit, and uh, maybe if we're going to have a series, this is a, a very short precy uh, of what we might look at. He's uh, obviously one of the trinity of God, the three personalities that make up God. He is God, along with the Father and God the Son, Jesus. So does he just turn up after uh, Jesus' resurrection, as we've just read in the Acts? Or where was he before that? What was he doing? And if we look in Genesis, um, right at the beginning of the Bible, the second verse, uh, it says, In the beginning, verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So just like Jesus, because it says, Through him all things were made, and the Father, they've been there right from the beginning of time. And uh, so the Holy Spirit was at work in the creation story that we have for this universe and for this world. So what's he been doing uh, since creation up until Acts? He's actually been busy empowering people to bring God's kingdom and God's plans into purpose and into being. And there are loads of Old Testament examples of where the Holy Spirit's power is on particular individuals. So some examples would be Moses. Think of the miracles that Moses did when they were trying to get out of Egypt and so on. Elijah, bring calling down fire from heaven. Samson, uh, strong enough to pull a building down. The kings were anointed, and that's, that was a sign of God's spirit coming upon them. The oil poured on them. Prophets like Zechariah and many others were all uh, signs of where the Holy Spirit intervenes on particular individuals for a particular purpose from God. Even enables a donkey to speak, birds to uh, provide a food delivery service, um, plagues, a sea to part, a never-ending jar of oil, uh, resurrection from the dead, and many more supernatural things. So don't think that the Holy Spirit falling on people is something that is only from Acts and forward. He's been doing this since the beginning of creation, even before he was involved in creation. So what changed after Jesus' resurrection? What changed after that story that we read earlier? 
what happened was that the thing that was promised and we saw tastes of in the Old Testament on individuals in certain situations, which was called the promise that was to come, actually arrived. And it was a promise, as it says in Ezekiel uh, chapter 11. It says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And even right up to when Jesus was alive, but it hadn't actually really started his ministry yet, John the Baptist said to his followers that I can baptize you with water, but somebody's coming who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So the promise was coming up to a culmination when Jesus came and when he then died and then rose again and then came and appeared on the earth for so many days, about 40 days, and then resurrected. He said, it's better I go because the promised comforter, the counselor, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And this is then open to everybody, not just certain individuals. Open to me, to you, to your family, to your friends. And it's God's promise to come and dwell within us and not only just to be there and live with us and be a comforter, but as Chris said, the passage from Ephesians, the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead comes and dwells in you and me. You know, the only restriction is us. We're the ones who limit it. And that's why I said at the beginning, try not to limit what, you're going to, what God might want to do today. He might want to blow your mind with stuff. He might want something so special that you could never dream of. So listen, just be ready to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. A great example um, of the impossible becoming possible is the story of Peter, I think. Now, there was a man, when he was following Jesus as one of the disciples, was so passionate, wasn't he? He was the one who was always at the front, leading the charge. He was... You know, he's the one who dived into the water to get to the shore. He was the one who said, oh, I'll never leave you. Can I build a, can I build a house for you uh, up on the mountain of uh, transfiguration? And, um, and yet he made so many daft mistakes, didn't he, as well? And he obviously was the one who said, no, I'm going, you know, we'll fight you to the death, for you to the death, and all this sort of stuff. And then we know the story. Um, and it says in Luke um, how this really brave guy, you know, when Jesus is finally arrested... It says in Luke 22 and verse 54, Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, not quite so brave now. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I'm not, Peter replied. And about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Now, just like me, when I wanted to do something, just like Peter, he wanted to be there for Jesus. But it was impossible. He didn't have that courage, that strength. 
in his own strength to do that. And he ran away, even to the point of denying him. And just like me, when I really wanted to stop swearing in front of my mates, I didn't have the power to do it. And, it's a, and it was the first time in my life when I realized that I'm not actually totally in control of who I am. And that was a scary thing. And I wonder about you, how many of you here have not even lived up to your own expectations? You know, you've had a standard, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be like this, I'm going to make this happen, I'm going to be like this for other people. And you've screwed it up. You haven't had the strength inside when it came to the crunch to actually do what you said you're going to do, to be what you said you're going to be. It was impossible for you. And it's so humbling, isn't it, when you get to that place. But just after what we read uh, about Peter and how he denies Jesus, then we go to this place where they've had the Holy Spirit fall upon them, as we read right at the beginning in Acts 2. Peter is transformed. Instead of denying Jesus and running away, fearful of what might happen to him, he actually stands up and preaches an incredible sermon that actually ends up in 3,000 people being saved from eternal separation from God. The Holy Spirit works through an ordinary, uneducated, weak, sinful man in great power. Now, if that doesn't give you hope, I don't know what does. And it's the same Holy Spirit that was in Peter who went from denying Jesus because it was impossible to stand with him, to transforming him, to standing up for Jesus, giving an incredibly eloquent talk. And the Holy Spirit just used him as a vessel and saved 3,000 people. And it was the beginning of the church. Our birthday, as Chris says. Without the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, that could never have happened. Peter could not be that man. Now, I know many of us here will say and have testimonies probably far more dramatic and interesting than mine about God doing the impossible through them and in them. But we can get a bit complacent, can't we, as we get good at church and we get good at being a Christian. We put our Christian faces on and we smile and, you know, and we all, uh, we, even, we even worship really loud and we jump about because that's our culture and it fits And the problem is, we get to start to realize that we're relying on ourselves and what we've learned as opposed to the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's such a dangerous place. The better we get at stuff, the more dangerous it is. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it's all rubbish. It's all just dust. And so if you're getting quite good at stuff, beware. Beware. You need the Holy Spirit more and more. And I'm going to do a little demonstration in a minute which will show this to a degree, um, which we can have a look at. But I just want to go on to one other thing that I have heard in churches. I I don't know if anyone here would uh, have a problem with this, but some people say that you don't need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is Christians because the Scripture says that when you become a Christian... The Holy Spirit is given to you as a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. So 
I've got the Holy Spirit, that's what makes me a Christian. It's a proof that I'm a Christian. And I know, both from experience of 40 years of being a Christian, so not hard for you to work out my age, you know, um, probably wasn't anyway, but, um, but then I know from that, but also from Scripture, that there are examples where people were believers, fervent believers, so they had the Holy Spirit there as a deposit, guaranteeing their inheritance, as we read in Scripture, in um, Lots of scripture where it is, doesn't matter. But, thank you. But it's, um, but what really matters is that in scripture there are two examples. If we look in Acts chapter 8 and 15, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers, so the believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come up any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And then again in Acts 19 and 1 and 6, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they're already believers. They answered, no, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So, just in case... Anyone has had that sort of teaching or, or has had that belief that there is no real thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've got two scriptural examples there, and I've seen it time and time again in people's lives. Um, so if you, if you want to have a chat about that afterwards, I'm uh, very happy to. I'm sure Chris would as well. But you know, everything changes when we ask God to fill us to overflowing with his Holy Spirit. Everything changes when we're baptized in his Holy Spirit. Because God uses us, we... Oh, sorry about that. Must be my buttons reflecting or something. But uh, weak, sinful people, fearful people, he transforms. The impossible becomes possible. So what about you? Where are you today? And I wonder if my beautiful assistant could bring uh, up a small visual aid. It looks a bit like me, I think. <laughs> so, I might have to put the microphone down. We'll see. Probably. Oh, thank you very much. That'd be good. Yes, Chris. The other beautiful assistant. This is a balloon, funnily enough. Now, it doesn't look very much, does it? It's pretty flaccid. It's nice color. And um, if you want to get it to do anything, there isn't a lot. I uh, can't even wear it, I don't think. Uh, there's not a lot you can do with this balloon. 
And if you try and set it free to fly, ah, it's impossible for that balloon to fly. Completely impossible in its own abilities as it is. So what happens? Any other color? Nice choice. Thank you very much. That goes, doesn't it? And Josh. Look at that. See? The genes passed down. Okay. This looks, apart from being a, a brighter color, maybe, it looks remarkably similar to the purple one, doesn't it? Same shape, same size. Still useless. Can't do much with it. But if it gets filled... Now that looks a bit different now, doesn't it? Eh? Oh dear, sorry. <laughs> so this is pretty impressive, isn't it? Look at that. It's actually a lot bigger than it was. It's expanded enormously. It's actually changed color slightly as well. It's almost shinier now as well. And what do you think will happen if I let it go? Oh, it flew right to the ceiling. Oh, yeah. Oh, there we go. See, I told you it was a simple sermon. Even April can understand it. <laughs> I, I thought I'd bring it down for the Americans in the room. No offense. <laughs> so, so, we've got a problem. We've got a real problem. Pardon? Houston. Yeah, we've got a problem with Houston. Yeah, exactly. So we've got to find a way. If we want to soar and be up at the ceiling, we need refilling. And do you know, sometimes uh, I feel quite... Um, I actually feel quite bad if I feel I need to go up to the front to ask for prayer to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. Like I've done something wrong almost. Because I'm a Christian anyway, and I'm full of the Holy Spirit, and I have been since I was 16. And that's complete nonsense. Because actually, what it means is the Holy Spirit is flowing through you and you need refilling. So we need to be filled again. We should be up for, front for prayer for the Holy Spirit every time we have a meeting. Because otherwise, we start doing it in our own strength. Otherwise, we're relying on our useless old nature. Or our slightly more polished useless old nature that we learn in church. So there's one other example I want to do. So we've got one more choice of color. Who would like another color? White. And please, please, you all chose uh, colors I've actually got. That's always helpful. Now this, this one looks, again, very similar, and we know what's going to happen. Thank you, Chris. I'll have to get one of these head mic things. Won't be like Madonna. It'll be much easier then. 
Now this is, an, this is something I've experienced personally, and I've also seen it in a lot of other Christians, unfortunately. Oh, not that. Oh. Never work with balloons. Take two. fashioned way try that you can see I'm not like a balloon magician or anything right I'm only doing this because we'll never get it off the ceiling the string the string is not part of the act really it's just a necessary part of it right now this look at that isn't that beautiful thanks Chris I think yeah, you're very helpful Give him a round of applause because he is a beautiful assistant. Now, this, this balloon, everything looks perfect, doesn't it? It's just flying away. It's got a new perspective. You know, it used to be on the floor like the purple balloon. Now it can see everything. And it is so full of the Holy Spirit, full of gas. No, I won't make the joke I was going to make. Sorry. <laughs> But this balloon looks perfect, doesn't it? Can anyone tell me the problem with this balloon? Sorry? It's not being used. Well, it's floating, isn't it? It's having a great time up there, look. Well, that's true. Yes, it will, won't it? See, the problem is some Christians, they forget that actually the whole purpose of being filled is not just so we can have a great time, and be up on the ceiling and dancing and prophesying and praising and all that sort of stuff, which is great stuff. It's that they're all gifts from God, and it's, it's wonderful. But there's got to be a purpose behind it. This balloon is sewn up tight, so the Holy Spirit, the gas, can't get out. That's not good. And there are Christians who so love enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit that they forget that it's not actually just to give them a good, ooh, can you feel it feeling? And I've met lots of people who use that actual phrase. It's actually to empower us for the work of the kingdom. It is to empower us to build up the church. The gifts that he gives are to build one another up. And so that the church can be the witnesses, the powerful witnesses of Jesus in the world. So I'm unfortunately, I actually dislike this balloon intensely. And as April said, eventually, it may feel all right, and they're deceived. They're up at the ceiling, and they're having a great time. The view is wonderful. Slowly but surely, the Holy Spirit leaks out of them, and they don't get refilled because they're not being used properly. So, that's it really. That's all I've got to say. But, I want to challenge each and every one of us here. If when they say, does anyone want to come up for prayer for the, to be filled again with the Holy Spirit, you feel like I did, or have done, that actually I'll feel a bit awkward about that because it looks like there's something going wrong in my life. 
That is a lie from Satan. It's a complete lie. The ones who are running up to the front are the ones who are desperate for him. They know that they're like the purple balloon without his power. So we're going to have an opportunity in a minute for anyone in the room. And if you don't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian already, you need to ask yourself why. Why don't I want? Because there will be a reason. There will be something in the way that is stopping you. Why don't I want to be baptized again in the Holy Spirit? Why wouldn't you want the presence of God Almighty through his Holy Spirit filling you and overflowing and flowing through you to your friends, family, work colleagues, brothers and sisters in the church? There may be people here who are thinking we're all a bunch of nutters and you've not been to church before. You've not even taken that step to know Jesus and to give your life to him. And you would like your life transformed You'd like what is impossible for you to be made possible. If that's you, today is a perfect opportunity to take that step, to give your life to Jesus and to receive the promise that he gives that is the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you for eternity, to forever with God. And if you're a bit like a white balloon, then maybe you need to repent and say, actually, I've got it wrong, Lord. I'm so sorry. It's not just about me having a great time. It's not just about me feeling it and sensing your presence. I need to be a bit brave and take the knot off and let the Holy Spirit flow through me to others. So Holy Spirit, I just pray for my brothers and sisters, everyone here. I just pray that you will speak to them. That you will touch their hearts. That you will convict them of what you know is best for them. As I was worshipping earlier, I felt that there's someone here, a lady I think, Maybe you take me wrong, but I'm going to give it anyway. Who's got a headache in their temple, a nasty headache in their temple. I don't know if it's left or right. But if that's you, I think God wants to heal you. Uh, so I know he wants to heal you. So uh, during this time, when it's the music as we sing and as we worship, I'm going to call up different people, and I'm sure the prayer team will, will come and help. But um, if that's you and you have this intense pain in your temple, then please come, because God is going to heal you. So first, if you just want to be refilled with the Holy Spirit, if you want more of that power and less of you, if you want to be high up with the Holy Spirit flowing through you, just I invite you to come up and we're going to pray for you. If the prayer team can uh, come up. Maybe actually there's a lot of people coming. Maybe it would be better if we all just pray for one another.
you, if you can't get up and you want to just stand where you are. Come, Holy Spirit. We've been calling upon your name all morning, calling for you to come. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we ask you to fill us again, fill us afresh. We need you, we're desperate for you. Holy Spirit, we cannot do this without you. It's impossible without you. But all things are possible through you. Holy Spirit, come. I pray that you'll fill us afresh. Fill the worship band. Fill me. Fill my brothers and sisters. Fill the children. Fill all the teachers. Come, Holy Spirit. Not just so we can have a great time and enjoy your presence, but that we may be empowered to be witnesses for you we may be empowered to build one another up. Come, Holy Spirit. Come.